It's good to be here. You're listening to White Noise with Joe Papalardo, where we talk about all the weird we do on social media. Here with me today is Chase Sabina, an Instagram photographer, uh, influencer, some may say, and he has over 25,000 followers. So we thought we'd bring him on to tell us the deep, dark secrets of Instagram. Chase, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, Joe. Yeah, it's 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 good to be here, uh, as we always say on White Noise. And you um you have t- over twenty five thousand followers. I think you almost have twenty seven thousand now. Uh, and your describe your job for people who aren't used to uh, Instagram careers and such. Yeah, uh, I mean that's a that's a crazy question because every time I get asked it, I don't really know how to describe it myself. Um, <laughs> But I tend to do a lot of corporate brand photography, uh, developing ad campaigns for companies, um, basically coming up with ideas for their visual campaigns, whether that's photo or video, and then directing photo shoots and video shoots, commercials, uh, all the way to kind of the follow through with uh, getting those uh, campaigns live across different platforms, whether that's Instagram, YouTube, uh, I've seen stuff go on, regular television ads. Uh, so it, it's kind of all over the board what I do. But um, the main thing is just kind of pushing content and trying to see how people engage with it uh, and constantly uh, in, in a constantly changing environment. Yeah, and it's definitely been changing a lot uh, in recent uh, memory. Um, over the past couple of years, there's been revisions to the platforms. Facebook bought Instagram, for instance. Uh, can you tell us uh, how you started in this and then what it was like when you first started out? Yeah. Uh, so when I first started, um, it kind of just fell into my lap. Um, it, my quote unquote career started out um, unbeknownst to me on uh, a now very outdated platform uh, called Tumblr. Oh, um, uh, yes. And I, I was just, just on it for the sake of being on it. I think I was probably 16 and it was just a way for me to find pictures that I liked uh, and am resharing those. Um, never, never thought about photography uh, really in any sort of way. I, I've always considered myself to be very just not artistic in any way, shape or form. Um, and so I was just, you know, resharing these photos and kind of overnight, you know, over the course of a couple of months, um, <clears throat> I managed to amass around uh, 80,000 followers. And within my first year of having that blog, I pulled about 1.5 million page views. Uh, so people were kind of paying attention. And this wasn't even photography that I was taking. And so my thought was, if I have this platform, why can't I take these photos that I'm enjoying? So so wait, you were uh, a content so I, curator in a sense. You weren't even producing content. You were just collecting it. Yeah, I, I, I was a content curator before I was a creator. Um, and so my idea was, you know, if I have all this photography out here that I really enjoy, why am I not the one creating it? I have the platform. Uh, so I, I got my first camera. Uh, it was a cheap Nikon, went out, just brought it with me everywhere I would go and just would take pictures um, of just every random possible thing uh, out there. And it kind of developed from there. Um, once Tumblr started to kind of die down a little bit, though, I decided to start posting some of that content on Instagram. And because I had the platform on Tumblr, I was able to kind of transfer my um, 
my platform from Tumblr over to Instagram didn't happen as quickly, unfortunately. Uh, but I was able to kind of grow, grow the Instagram slowly. And then I remember I got my first ever branded campaign. A company reached out to me, offered me probably $150 to shoot a bunch of photo content for them and get it back to them. And at the time I probably had maybe thousand fifteen hundred followers so, so you oh wow so you were like a micro influencer which has become bigger now right yeah yeah it, it, i had no followers when i got my first campaign they just liked the content and I, I think that was the best way that it could have happened to me uh this tiny company reaching out because to me there was no expectation of i need to have this i had no idea what i was doing i didn't think that i needed to have a set amount of followers to get these campaigns I never heard of getting paid through social media. And so for me, I, I just kind of picked up my camera, shot the campaign, gave them the content two days later, wrote a, a blog post on my Tumblr about it. It got maybe 10 to 15,000 views overnight. And wow. that was when I first realized I can make money off of this. And so after that, it was just, it was a hustle to find companies that I wanted to work with. Um, and, you know, the bigger the company, the more of a budget they have. And, you know, it. I had my audience, I had my Tumblr audience, and I had these companies' audiences, if they had any, to help grow grow my my own Instagram channel. So, I really pushed that for about two years, up until about mid 2017. Um, I was working with a lot of startups and smaller companies, um, and then by the time mid 20 early 2017 hit, I got a call from. I was signed to an agency at the time who helped. Uh, connect me with different companies uh, and get me brand deals and would review contracts and stuff like that. I got a call in early 2017 at the time I was working as the creative director for a men's clothing company. So I wasn't even working with other companies. It was all very in-house creative photo video. I got a call from my agent, Miriam, and she says, Hey, Brooks Brothers and Land Rover want to take you and seven of your friends to Europe. Um, to shoot a bunch of campaigns over the course of a couple of weeks. So yeah. I got seven of my friends from social media who were all influencers themselves, video, you know, cinematographers, other photographers and models. And we all got on a plane. We went to London. We went to Austria. We went to Germany. We went to Italy. We went to Switzerland in about three to four weeks. Uh, we produced content for six companies. Um, and, you know, they each had a pretty big budget. So it was a absolutely crazy, crazy trip. A lot went well, a lot went wrong. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I learned a ton and that's, that's when I realized, wow, there, there's big bucks to be made here. Um, and so that, that was kind of how I, how I grew it. And by the time I got back from that trip through the exposure of all these other companies, um, I was able to get my following up to about 25.5 K. Um, and I ended up taking a year off to go, to go to school. Um, so, you know, my Instagram wasn't really, you know, producing a lot of new content and it hasn't really since then, uh, just now getting back into it, uh, over the past, you know, four to five months, but, um, you know, it, it's still, it's growing again and it's a crazy, you know, it's, it's a crazy evolving, uh, platform that you kind of have to constantly be recalibrating for. Yeah, and I, I, uh, you mentioned that you met with a bunch of influencers. So these people were all, um, you met them over the internet, right? Like these weren't friends you'd met in person, were they? 
so so three of the guys that I went with were actually one of them was my best friend George. Oh, that's um, cool. Okay. And I I grew up with him. We we did Boy Scouts together. And then I met uh, two of the other guys through him, a videographer and a photographer. And then the other the other people were uh, just guys that I found through the internet that I had a loose connection to. We were in the same speech and debate organization uh, in in high school, which was crazy. And to me at the time, I was I was homeschooled for a lot of my high school um, and middle school years. And to me, getting into photography and kind of growing a following, I was like, wow, this is really rare. I'm, I'm probably one of the only people in this kind of community who managed to do something like this. And then I got hired my senior year to work as the creative director for this clothing company. And the marketing company that I hired um, to work with me on this project was four brothers who were all homeschooled uh, throughout their high school years, come from just a really big family. And they had a very similar upbringing to me and they introduced me to models who are professional models, really big in the industry who were all homeschooled all within the speech and debate community who I'd seen before at events, but never talked to. And, and it kind of blew my mind. And that was like, wow, there's other people out there who have really similar backgrounds to me. You don't need a big college degree and diploma to, to be successful in this industry. You just need to have a hustle, have a passion and, have an eye for it. And I mean, the, the eye for it and you know, kind of the passion too is constantly evolving. Uh, but it's definitely, it's been a crazy, crazy process. Yeah. It, it, it definitely sounds like you, you created something from nothing. Um, and especially in a digital age, uh, you're a photographer. So of course you're taking photos and posting those online, but you have the files, you could print them out and it's something permanent. But what are your thoughts on the fact that we've moved so much towards digital? We're not really creating any permanent, lasting content anymore. Yeah, I, I think as we make this transition really from um, analog to digital, if you will, there, there's a lot of downsides to it. But I see, I see a lot of upsides. I think people are engaging more with this content. And it, people, the feedback that people give you, whether it's good or bad, I mean, I get my fair share of hate comment to, you know, one of the most notable was a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, some guy go onto my Instagram and comment on a bunch of my photos and say, hey, I know you didn't take these photos. You're stealing them. It's copyrighted material. And to me, I like looked at that and I was like, well, of course, this is my content. I've created it. And it was a little bit discouraging when I first saw it because it was like, he has a point anyone can go out and take my content and claim it as theirs. Yeah. But I looked at that comment and that was real time feedback that I wouldn't have if my, if my work were analog and my, my work gets spread around to all of these different platforms. Uh, so more people are seeing it than ever would. Um, and that brings people to me. So are we really creating something physical um, that people can you know, go into a museum and see. Not necessarily a lot of that that artwork and a lot of that you know content is still being created, absolutely. And I I don't necessarily think that's dipped anymore. I think a lot of that analog uh, artwork or content is still being created. You just have to seek it out a little bit more. Um, but I also think at the same time, digital has kind of allowed us to take that analog work and publish it. 
I mean, if you look at, you know, I think one of my favorite things is people who have never been to the Met in New York City, right? They can see the same exact artwork that's in the Met on the Met's Instagram page. They don't even have to go to Uh-oh. the Met. So they're seeing <laughs> the same, I mean, they're seeing the same content and they're getting the same description of the painting. And of course, seeing that painting in person, I think is much more valuable. But I think at the same time, we're able to see that content and the people who can't go and see it physically, they're still getting a lot of really good exposure to some amazing content, whether it's old or new. Um, and I, I think that's a really powerful thing. And then just having that feedback, again, with going back to that comment, I look at that comment and that makes me say, I want to create content that really stands out that only I could create. This guy's commenting and saying, this could be anyone else's photograph, right? And so for me, that's a motivation. I'm going to go out and create something that's strictly Chase Sabina's work, and people are going to know that in the future. Um, so I, I think I think there's a lot of downsides to technology. You know, everything gets critiqued more, and you know you have to, to kind of develop a thick skin for that. And mm. but I think it opens up a lot of doors for people. So yeah, and and so this is. You know, I'm going to keep hammering people who use social media too much because that's the point of this podcast in some ways. And sure. uh, you, of course, have built a career off of this. Um, but what are your thoughts on the the rise in, uh, I guess, this this mimicry of people who have personal brands like yourself? There's a lot of people who have very small accounts. And I don't mean to dump on them, but there are photographer accounts where it's just person's name plus the word photography. Um, yeah. And like, I, I think it's great to pursue your dreams, but uh, Instagram is oversaturated with it. Uh, and what are your oh, thoughts yeah. on the rise of that? I, I think that to build a brand on Instagram, I mean, you look at those photography accounts, that's their name plus photography or photo, right? It tends to be people that the people who follow it are um, are people from high school that they knew or from their hometown, right? their work isn't really being spread around. And I think the thing that sets, you know, another photographer who's really pursuing this on a professional level versus someone who has a DSLR and can take photos or even their iPhone, you can't imitate a genuine passion for what you're creating. And if you look at my Instagram, there's months where I won't post because it's really easy to kind of look at everyone else's content and say, mine doesn't compare to theirs. It's not as good. And it's also easy to become disillusioned with what you create because there's someone out there who in your mind's eye probably has better work and that, that can be really destructive to the creative process. And so I think a big part of it is balancing it out and saying, I'm only going to put work out here or create content that is the best that I can produce and I really genuinely care about. And that's what I see so, so often is that people are just posting for the sake of posting. They want their friends or their colleagues to know that they're doing things. They have a presence out there, but it's not genuine. And you can really, really sense that. And I mean, if you look at some of your favorite creators, whether that's on YouTube or Instagram or any other platform, even in music, you can sense when when that artist or creator really has a passion for it. And it's about finding those people who have a similar passion. And that's the great thing about what I do. A lot of what I do is collaborative and there's a community of people out there. 
And I've been lucky enough to build my own community of, you know, 10, 20 people who I can always reach out to work on a project with. And they're always there. And they're going to have the same, if not more, passion to work on that project. And I think that's what kind of keeps me going and differentiates me from all these thousands of little accounts out there. And, you know, great for these people for trying to do that. Absolutely, Um, But it, it is a time investment. And if you don't have the time to do it, you're not going to go very far. And it, it's okay if you don't want to go far with it either. And I think that's something that can be a little frowned upon is if people just go out and create content for the sake of it, people are like, well, this isn't the best you could do, right? And there's always those negative comments, right? I admire you if you can pick up your camera for one hour a week and go out and take photos. I applaud you for that. It just doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to grow um, within within the social community uh, and, and grow. And I think I think one of the most destructive things is social media can be a little bit too accessible, especially to younger people. I can't tell you how many friends I have who their younger siblings say, "I want to be an Instagram influencer" or "I want to be a YouTuber." Right? Yeah, that's not that me easy. These days. It really does. And you can't just pick up a camera, record a 10-minute video, and expect yourself to go viral on YouTube overnight. It doesn't happen. Um, but they're trying. And I think that's where it all begins. I started out with a blog, had no idea about followers or making money. And it was just this really innocent thing that I had going on. Um, and then when I realized I could, if I really worked hard, I could grow it. That's what it takes. It it really does take a hustle to do it. And you're going to, you know, I can tell you from my personal experience, you have weeks, months, years where you can make a ton of money and weeks, months, years where you can lose a ton of money because things don't go your way. And, you know, um, it, it's really rewarding, you know, both financially, if you can make it work, but also just in your personal life. I look back at what I've done. And I'm proud of what I've done. I want to be better and I want to push myself to be better and others are pushing me to be better, but it is very rewarding at the end of the day. So, yeah. And you've, uh, so you, you're, I guess I would say you're one of the, uh, you're technically a brand on Instagram. Like you're one of the, the, the people who make the content. I would consider myself someone who consumes it. Um, but what are we all doing on Instagram still now? Like what's the trajectory for the platform as far as users and customers go? Because I'm starting to see like, especially kids from like larger high schools per se, they can get a thousand followers and start getting mini brand deals. Are we approaching a time where everyone is going to be an influencer in some way? Or are we hoping that people will get bored of the platform at some point and find something else? Like what do you think is the end game for Instagram as it stands? Yeah, I mean, if we're looking at Instagram, um, you know, it's it's easy to see how so many platforms have a downfall. Think MySpace, think, you know, even Tumblr has had its downfall. And they, you know, when they were bought out by Yahoo a couple of years ago, um, they, they kind of saw a decrease in uh, users and original creators. Um, and even in your own way, if you look at YouTube, it's kind of on the decline right now because of poor management within the company. Um, and I can go on a big rant about that. Um, we all could, their yeah. Ad program, but let's not do that. Um, but I mean, looking at it from the perspective of Instagram, 
Instagram is a very forward-thinking company. I see them making a lot of changes in their internal structure where um, they really do value their creators. It may not be in the way every creator wants, but they're constantly adding features and growing. They're not stagnant. They did something really, really well at creating a great platform. Um, but they are evolving. You know, think of stories, right? Everyone was like, well, that's Snapchat. You know, no one's going to use that. You know, millions and millions of stories are added every single day. Yeah. And people do engage with those. I mean, I my stories are used to post about if I'm traveling somewhere and I want to do a meetup with people who follow me or just sharing music. And, and it really does foster community. And Instagram is kind of becoming this all-in-one platform you know, Instagram is kind of like Tumblr. They're they're adding so many sharing options now. Uh, and that's what Tumblr did really well. And now with stories, you can post text, which is kind of very Facebook-esque in its own way. And I, I see it evolving towards that. Uh, the answer is, is everyone going to become an influencer? Absolutely not. It takes to grow on the platform again. It takes a lot of hard work, dedication, energy, and passion you're going to have your your moms on there who are just kind of, you know, for lack of a better word, shit posting whatever they see and resharing, um, which which is fine um, for them. And then you get your, you know, your random photography accounts who they're posting something that they saw and snapped on their iPhone this week. So you're always going to have those lower level accounts. I think we live in an age where social media allows people to grow in their own way. Um, and it, I've, I've seen so many people who really don't have talent, um, and they can grow really quickly on Instagram or any platform, but their brand very quickly dies again. Why? Because their authenticity may have been there at the beginning, but it's lost as you grow, unless you really are constantly evolving within that community that is Instagram or YouTube or whatever it is. Um, I mean, if you, a really good example of that is, YouTube, right? I, I think my favorite is the comedy sketches that are on YouTube. Those used to be really, really big across Facebook. Um, just these really, you know, unfunny, but the creators called them comedy sketches. Yeah. Um, you, you know, think of, I, I'm just going to name drop like Lele Pons, if anyone knows who she is. Uh, just hilariously unfunny. <laughs> um, the videos, she, they turn the saturation way up and make them look way too clean and clear and vibrant. Just the editing style is atrocious. The content is unfunny, right? Yeah. And those people, you know, the people who, and, and she, she's kind of in her prime right now, but there was people before her doing the same stuff and, and they've died out. I mean, think of someone like Logan Paul. That's what he used to do. And he died out. He used to be getting four, five, six million, you know, Facebook video views. He doesn't touch Facebook anymore. He he's solely on Instagram and YouTube, and he's been re reinventing himself because of of everything that's happened. And it is possible to decline and then reinvent yourself. Um, but it, if you don't have a passion for it anymore, or you overdo it, you're not you're not going to thrive within that community for very long. Yeah, and it's it's uh, definitely. Uh, I mean, it's interesting to see where like stuff like that, com those comedy videos go. Uh, I know that used to be big on Instagram, and I saw a lot of YouTubers commenting on it. Like they made videos, so we had YouTube commenting on Instagram's drama, and now we're talking to an Instagrammer about YouTube drama. So the cycle repeats sure. itself. 
Um, do you think that Instagram is, uh, I mean, this is the only thing I see people using it for now in my friend group is memes. Are memes taking over Instagram from your perspective in any way? I, I would say 2017 to 2018 memes were on the rise. Uh, and, and in a very cringy way, I saw brands utilizing them uh, as a way of advertising. Uh, I, I, meme, memes are always going to be there. There's, there's always creators coming up with new content. Um, you know, I, I only follow, I, I think probably a year ago, I followed 15 to 20 original meme accounts, right? I, I follow maybe two right now. Um, and I, for a while, I didn't follow anyone uh, just because I just kept seeing the same content over and over. Uh, are memes on their way out? Probably not. Are they on the decline? I would say so. Because it's people can try only so hard to be funny before people kind of blacklist them. Um, and you have to kind of know what you're doing within that whole meme subgenre of Instagram in order to succeed. Um I mean, if you look at Instagram's memes, I would say 75% of it are just screenshots from Twitter. Yeah, that's fascinating um, to me. Yeah. And, and I mean, it, it, I have people who um, are very pro-Instagram memes and, and for finding their funny tweets. And they send it to their friends and their friends are like, oh, I already saw this on Twitter. Um, and it's like there's, there's this kind of raging battle back and forth between them. Um, about, you know, which platform is better for that type of content. Um, so I don't think memes are going to die anytime soon. I just think there's, I, I, I can see the format changing, uh, over the next year or so. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, because from my perspective, I, I, it seems like they've, memes used to be something like a random dude posts it and people like it and it's funny. But now it's become this almost corporate thing where you have certain accounts like uh, F. Jerry, they're, they're, they have all the memes on their page and they just either steal them from people or screenshot them and credit later. Um, do you think that's had something to do with the, the decline, the, the aggregation of memes to certain pages? I, I, think, I think to an extent. I mean, you, you look at F. Jerry or, you know, so someone like him, he he's more curating, right? Think yeah. me, Tumblr twenty sixteen, and then you have someone, the one I follow right now, his name is Tank Sinatra, and or Adam the Creator, um, and they are producing their own memes, and their format is much much better. They're not just screenshotting and reposting. Um, I mean, look at the evolution of memes from you know twenty. I mean, going back to even 2014, 2015, kind of like the stick figure memes, you know, the dirt memes, um, and and how they've evolved. There's always going to be something new coming up, and you know, content goes viral on social media pretty easily these days because it's so easily accessible and shareable. Um, so the format will change, um, and the types of accounts that are sharing those. Um, those different types of content are going to be evolving uh, to fit the needs. You know, there, there's supply and demand on social media. People want memes, so people have to supply them. Um, mm -hmm. Just like with any, you know, my photography, there, there's a demand for my, a specific kind of photography. And the people who want to engage with it are going to, and those who don't want to see it 
aren't going to. Um, so there's always going to be people who are going to like your content and people who aren't. Um, it's just the niche that you're in can grow or shrink. So people, I remember posting a black square on Instagram and like immediately, well, not immediately, but I posted a black square on Instagram and 20 to 30 people liked it. And it was just a black square. Uh, and I feel like there's like the psychology behind Instagram, almost like people are blindly liking photos regardless of what they are. And what do you think of that? And what it is, what does it say about our culture? Yeah, I think there, there's kind of, there's different types of users on social media that you have those. And I think it tends to be your older demographic of people who are recent post-grad life. They're working a job. They're not checking Instagram as frequently. So I think they tend to scroll through Instagram more mindlessly and say, okay, I'm just going to like what, what pops up. They don't tend to follow as many people. So they spend a little bit more time engaging. Um, then you have your daily, and I, I saw this a lot in uh, college, um, especially with my girlfriend. You know, I remember watching her um, a couple weeks ago, just liking liking pictures on Instagram that from whether it was a friend or uh, an influencer, uh, and watching her like content, but skipping over certain posts, um, and then she would check Instagram three, four hours later, and then like the photo that she skipped over later, earlier, excuse me. Um, and it was really weird to me to see that because it's clear that she was paying attention to what she's liking on Instagram. Um, and I, I think what people engage with, um, kind of depends on their mood. So if they're just quickly checking Instagram as kind of like, uh, you know, something to fill the time, they're not going to engage as much, but if they're, and I, I think, you know, Instagram, um, both posting content and looking at content can really trigger the dopamine levels. So in, in your brain. And so I think I've noticed when people are in certain moods, they'll like more content. And if they're in a worse mood, they're not going to engage as much. Um, so I think you can kind of see what, what not necessarily what someone's going through or, I don't think it can give you any deep understanding of a person based on what they like. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a, um, you know, it gives credence to someone's character, but I do see um, people paying more attention to what they like on social media. I mean, it, it goes down all the way to the signals you want to send someone that you're flirting with by when you like their post. And yeah. people give so much thought to that. And that that's crazy to me um, that that's a thing that people care about. But how people engage is very much a science. Um, I don't think it necessarily comes down to what the content is. Um, I think it comes down to sort of like the closeness of your relationship. I think the people who are willing to interact with your black screen post are people who understand you and really know you. And if they don't know you, I don't, I think they're going to be like, okay, that was a little strange. I've never seen that before. And they're probably going to, you know, not engage with that content, at least until they, they get to figure you out a little bit. Um, so I think it has to do with the types of users on social media. And then the second thing is kind of your, their closeness to you. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, and I guess, yeah, again, like with like the fire festival, for example, posting an orange square on all these major influencer accounts, they're still pulling in tons of likes, of course. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess it does depend on like how much of a fan are people. Um, yeah. And that, that's just crazy. I remember my brother pointed out to me, he, he, of course, this is my brother, Ed, he's second oldest in my family, doesn't have social media, doesn't touch it, but he watches how other people use it. And he's noticed how like quickly guys will scroll through pictures of like other men working out, for example, they're like comparing, sure. they're scrolling so fast until they see one they like, and they like pause on it for a second. And they'll like just focus staring and then continue to keep scrolling. Like wicked fast. I'm minding it right now. No one can see me, but it's amazing how fast people are scrolling through and making these quick decisions back and forth over certain photos. Yeah, I, I think we kind of train ourselves um, when we look at social media, what type of content we want to interact with and engage with in content that we kind of want to stay away from. Um, I mean, the notorious, notorious um, example of this is um, your, uh, for lack of a better word, your IG thoughts, um, those fitness models or wannabe models, you know, swimsuit models who are trying to just get picked up for the Sports Illustrated swimsuit magazine um, and only have followers because guys and girls alike think they're attractive. Um, and people follow them purely based off of how they look don't care who they are because you can't really get to know their personality through that. Um, I, I think a really famous example of that uh, and, and certain more engaged Instagram users may know the name. Her name is Summer Ray. She's a fitness model. Um, and she started out her, her mother and father were both, I guess in the circus or something like that. Um, and really big into fitness. And so this girl got really big into fitness. And now she has something like five, six, seven million followers on Instagram, um, purely based off of the fact that she's got a big butt. Um, wow. you know, across <laughs> Kim Kardashian. Um, and she was on a podcast the other week and I was listening to it. Um, and she was saying how, there's so much that people don't know about her. Like she's and, and you know, I, I'm not here to judge, but she was talking about how she's like a really grew up in a really dedicated Christian household. Um, and just really into staying off of social media unless she's posting. And, you know, from listening to that podcast, it seems like she really has a lot outside of her working out or having a big butt or whatever it is. But I didn't, and I've known who this girl is for probably two years, but never would have thought anything of it until I heard this podcast. And social media doesn't give a good, um, it's very surface knowledge. In fact, it's all visual. Um, and I think that's one of the big downsides to it is people know my work, right? And they, they hear my name, but they know nothing about um, and I think that that's the fun part of when, you know, I'm out and about and people come up to me and say, hey, you're that guy from Instagram. They may not even know my name um, or you're that guy. I remember when it first happened, you're that guy from Tumblr, even though I wasn't really putting my face on my pages because it was huh. about the work I was producing. But people were able to recognize me over time, the, you know, a few pictures that they saw of me. And they were like, so what are you all about? And since, you know, since I've kind of gotten more involved in social media, I've tried to give a little bit more of um, my personal life uh, and, and put a little bit more of it out there. And I think my big first step was of that was uh, with my girlfriend. Um, never thought about 
talking about a girl on social media. Everything was about the models or other influencers I work with. Um, and, and my girlfriend, not a model, nothing, you know, uh, you know, beautiful, beautiful girl, but was, was never involved in social media, had like 300 Instagram followers when I first met her, um, maybe less. And, you know, just a beautiful girl and was able to, you know, take pictures of her and put her on my feed and then start talking a little bit about my relationship with her and people got to know her and she was able to grow. And, and people, I remember I, I was in, we went to Charleston together for a photo shoot and um, I went back to Boston and someone came up to me in the street and said, your girlfriend seems incredible. Right. And not knowing anything about her. And it was a very surface knowledge, but I, I've tried to kind of put a little bit more of my personal life back out there so that people can know that I'm not just a photographer, I'm a real person. And I think that's where a lot of the negativity on the internet stems from. People don't view you as a real person. You're just a content creation machine. And I think that's one of the big changes I would make on social media as well. Um, we're not just machines producing content. We're real people with real lives. And me, I'm not just out here producing campaigns or commercials or whatever it is. I'm living in these scenarios, producing them, and there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. And I wish more people could kind of see and and feel that. Yeah, and I think that's definitely uh, with the Instagram story feature now, you know, you, I mean, maybe stuff's top secret sometimes, but being, people being able to say like, hey, I'm backstage or, hey, I'm here for a shoot. And they're showing, they have a location tag and they're showing people what they're doing. Um, has definitely really torn down the curtain in some regards. But you're right, like a lot of people don't see anything beyond social media. Uh, that's something I've talked about in previous episodes with people is what you put out there is sometimes all people know about you. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, one of the kind of the defining moments of people seeing what I did for work was last year at school. I, you know, at, um, you know, Joe, you know, because we went to the same place, but for other people, uh, our school has a big end of year concert and um, they bring in a big DJ or musical artist. Uh, and last year for us, it, it was Steve. Um, and I, I just randomly reached out to one of the DJs in the group and I said, hey, man, I know you're going to be here. Let's shoot together. Um, and I did that and I ended up getting to go on stage with him at this event and shoot with him and get some really, really cool photos. And people at, at the school knew I was a photographer or whatever I did. I don't know what people really thought of it or thought of me. And then the next day after that, people were like, wow, you really do do that, you know, because <laughs> they were able to see me getting to be kind of in my own element. Um, and I, I think that's social media with the stories and Snapchat and stuff like that. I try and let people into my creative process whether that's preparing for a shoot, you know, the constant travel that I'm doing, um, the actual shoot itself or, or the editing, whatever it is, um, and trying to bring people into that because I know I love watching like YouTube videos of other photographers or cinematographers. They're behind the scenes. I think that's so interesting to learn how people work. Um, and it's interesting for me being in that industry and I know it's interesting for other people. And so you kind of have to, you know, I think more creators need to show their process for people to actually have a respect. I mean, my parents for the longest time were like, social media won't ever make you money. That's not, that's not a viable option. And they saw me work and they saw the first paycheck and they were like, okay, this oh is legit. it's actual, it's actual work. And, and they had their concerns about it, but 
Um, you know, I think I think if more people could see the behind the scenes process of how much work actually goes into this stuff, it's not all fun traveling. You know, you get to go to resorts and stuff. There's a lot that go planning and, and you know sleepless nights that go into this. I think people would have more of a respect for how they engage with content um, once you see really what goes into that process. And every person's process is different. Um, so I, that's one thing I'd love to see change, more people just sharing their process. Um, it really, you know, when when you hear about like how long it took a painter to paint something, it's like, wow, they really poured their heart and soul into that. I don't just pick up a camera, walk out my door, take a couple photos, go back in, edit it in 10 minutes and get it up there. I'm editing. I can edit a photo for two days because I want it to be perfect. It's, you know, for a creator, it's, you know, it's our livelihood. It's our passion. It's what we're doing. And we really do want to put the best out there for you guys to engage with. So um, and, and Instagram has had their issues with how how they show people your content and so engagement has dipped drastically yeah uh, over the past past year year and a half but um you know and they're working on changing their algorithms up a little bit more to kind of benefit people and i know a lot of people have the complaint well the big creators who get the likes um they're the algorithm favors them over me who gets you know 50 likes or 100 likes you know i you know my opinion is it's not necessarily that bad. We're we're posting our our content for the sake of making our next paycheck, um, and really we poured our time and effort into that. My opinion is that deserves a little more credence than no offense, Joe, but your black screen, which you put up there in about twenty five seconds. Um, so the algorithm favors you <laughs> if you're really putting in the work to make it work for you. Yeah, and I yeah, I definitely understand that, and I think that's why the verification process is is great. Like they can you can pick out who's like the celebrities and brands versus uh, the guy posting black squares all day. Uh, what's sure. what's the next step for you then? The next step for me is kind of undecided at the moment. Um, right now, um, you know, still doing freelance work for uh, brands. Uh, getting to do some traveling, you know, consulting. Um, and then eventually, you know, the plan is to, to head back to school. And, you know, I took, took this year off from school because I got a really great job offer to move back to Boston and, you know, ended up working 75, 80 hours a week on projects. And it wow. was just exhausting. And so the next step is just kind of going back to school next year, you know, finishing my year and a half, two years of college. And, hopefully managing some freelance work in, you know, in breaks or on weekends. Um, and then ultimately heading over into kind of a more permanent position, working for one company as a creative director, rather than having to manage, you know, two to five contracts at a time for different clients, uh, which is, you know, exhausting. But um, yeah, and that was a little fuzzy there. Creating, so Sorry, I, I keep interrupting. Uh, so that that was a little fuzzy, but you're basically you're looking more for a nine to five. It sounds like with one brand. Yeah, I th- I think a nine to a nine to five is great, and then throwing in some more um, more contract freelance work uh, to give me a little bit more of that creative spark to kind of keep me, uh, you know, in different fields rather than just one company, but. Uh, having some consistency there would be really, really nice. 
Yeah. And, and so, um, finally, like we gotta, we always have to ask this with people when we bring them on now, uh, as in you're the only the second person I've asked this, but if you could delete one social media page that you run, you know, one personal social media platform, whatever it is, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or whatever, what would you delete? Uh, I would delete, that's a tough one. I would probably delete my Twitter. Um, I don't think, I think Twitter used to be a really great platform for sharing news quickly. Uh, and you know, I'm not going to be that guy and talk about fake news or anything like that. But I, I think Twitter has kind of become more of a, um, anyone can pour their thoughts out there and it can gain a lot of attraction really quickly. Um, and I, I just, I barely check Twitter. So if I had to do without it and didn't have to check it anymore, wouldn't feel like a big loss. Well, that's great. Yeah. I mean, let's lose the chains. Like <laughs> my goal is one day I do, I throw my phones into the river and never touch social media again, but thank you for being on this and talking about a little bit of the background of what you do and everything. Um, everyone, you've been listening to White Noise. Uh, always, you can follow us on Stitcher, uh, Buzzsprout, and Apple iTunes is where we're uh, sharing our podcast right now. Apple Podcasts, I should say. But also, feel free to follow our Facebook and Twitter pages at, at White Noise Guy. Um, and finally, Chase, uh, thank you for being on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's good to be here.